Patreon-only bonus episode this week, we've decided to make this episode highlighting a missing person from Wasco County, Oregon, available to all listeners. As always, our Patreon listeners will have access to this episode ad-free on Patreon.com. If you're driving along Interstate 84, you'll be familiar with Wasco County. Interstate 84, or the 84 as I call it, runs from Portland, Oregon to Echo, Utah. Much of the Oregon portion follows along the beautiful Columbia River. In a matter of hours, you can drive through the forests of the Columbia River Gorge, through the flat farmlands of eastern Oregon, before moving on to Idaho and eventually Utah. Wasco County was named after the Wasco, a local Chinook Native American tribe. The county stretches along the 84 from just east of Hood River to the west of Biggs, and then down to the south where it stretches across the Warm Springs Reservation. Nestled between the cities of Hood River, a gem to the Come Travel Oregon game, and the Dalles, a staple city for those Oregon Trail history buffs, is the small city of Mosier, Oregon. And Mosier is where our story begins. There are at least 63 billboards along the 84. As cars travel along and drivers' and passengers' eyes wander across those billboards, that equates to 1.5 million impressions per week, and over 6 million impressions per month, her billboard. After you hear today's case, I hope we'll be much closer to filling one of those billboards with the face of a beloved father who's been missing since November 2021. Charles Lee Keller, a 45-year-old father and plumber, lived in Wasco County most of his life. He drove the 84 a lot, living in the Dalles, working in Rufus, and owning property in Mosier. Charlie has a teenage son who resides with his mother in Iowa, but often flies to visit his dad and extended family for the summer or for Christmas, and much of that time is spent with his father on their property in Mosier. Charlie comes from a pretty big family, including five brothers. He's close with his mother, speaking to her every week. That was until mid-November of last year. Janice Menzi, Charlie's mother, also lives in the Dalles, Oregon. After seeing her son on November 7th, she traveled to visit a friend who was in hospice in Dayton, Washington. After she returned home, she tried to get a hold of Charlie with no success. One of her other sons, Jerry, mentioned connecting via text with Charlie on November 8th as they planned moving a fifth wheel onto his property. As Janice continued to try to contact Charlie over the phone when she returned, she began to worry when call after call went unanswered and unreturned. She attempted to contact him at work in Rufus at least four times and was never able to get a hold of him. It turned out Charlie had not only failed to pick up his last paycheck, he'd missed a scheduled court date on November 15th. This was unlike him as he was looking forward to making progress with the issues he had been experiencing with a tenant that was renting a fifth wheel on his Mosier property. His tenant had stopped paying rent in February of 2021 and he refused to leave the property. The contention between them was at an all-time high. At one point, Charlie had broken a window in the fifth wheel, so the tenant planned to take Charlie to court. Charlie wasn't upset by the court date because he was hoping that getting the courts involved would help him make progress evicting the tenant and recuperating the lost rent. By November 22nd, two weeks since the last time the Keller family interacted with Charlie, the family took a trip up to the Mosier property. As they pulled up the drive, Janice noticed an unfamiliar red pickup truck. The family got out of their vehicle and approached the cabin on the property. That's where Charlie would stay if he was there for an extended amount of time. The door was locked, and they could hear that there was someone inside. 
Janice heard a voice, but she could tell that voice was not her son's. It was someone else's. Eventually, the door was opened and she could see an unfamiliar man holding a gun. The man, Sean Marcellus, claimed to have been given permission to be on Charlie's property and in his home. However, that did not seem like the case. Marcellus was a longtime friend of the tenant that was staying on the property, and it was believed he had broken into Charlie's cabin, which sat a few hundred feet from the fifth wheel. The door showed signs of having been kicked in and taken off its hinges. When Charlie's family arrived, they said it looked like it had been boarded up. Sometime after that interaction, Sean Marcellus eventually left Charlie's property and even turned himself into police. He was then promptly arrested for burglary and theft and sat in jail awaiting a court date. By November 24th, there was still no sign of Charlie, and he was officially marked as a missing person and the police got involved in his case. Police noted that his family had last spoken to him on the 7th and 8th, but there were conflicting accounts of other people who said they had interacted with him since those dates. They were able to find Charlie on surveillance video at a local Safeway grocery store on November 10th, 2021. Police conducted searches of the property by foot and even brought in cadaver dogs, but unfortunately, the only thing alluding to Charlie having been there recently was his truck. His personal cell phone was eventually recovered from an acquaintance, but no one had been able to find his keys or his work cell phone. The police have confirmed that Charlie's phone records were reviewed and his work phone showed activity in the early hours of November 11th, but then it went silent. There are unsubstantiated claims that people saw Charlie between the 11th and the 15th of November, likely falling around the date of November 13th, but again, those claims have not been validated. Charlie Keller has not been found, and his family believes it's due to foul play and that he was murdered. I was joined for an interview recently with Charlie's mother, Janice Menzies, Charlie's older brother, Jerry Keller, and his sister-in-law, Bonnie Keller. Now, I'll remind you, with open cases, there is a lot that we're not allowed to know or discuss. Charlie's family is incredibly accommodating and really, truly wants to tell us everything, but that could put the case at risk. So we've bleeped out some of the names throughout the duration of the recording. But that being said, I think speaking with them was very interesting. And I believe that many of you will come away from this interview with a really good idea of what you think might have happened. Well, I appreciate you guys being willing to talk to me. Um, you know, I don't know if if Janice filled you guys in, but I have a podcast here in the Pacific Northwest, and it's mainly um, homicide cases. But we also have a platform with Coin AM Extra out of Portland, where every week we get to discuss a missing person or an unsolved case, sometimes from decades old, just to keep the the names out in the public and hopefully get tips. So that's how um, we came to talk to each other. As I got into this case, it was one of those things as an outsider. I'm like, why isn't this solved yet? Why why do we not have an answer to this question? So I'm very excited to talk to you and dig in more to it. Uh, but before we do, I would love it if you can tell our listeners a little bit about Charlie. You know, I only get so much from the media. It doesn't talk about who he is and what he likes to do. So if you can... Tell us a little bit about it. I think that would be wonderful. Okay. Well, Charlie um, is my youngest son. 
He is 45, getting ready to turn 46. Um, he was a plumber. And um, anyway, he has one son that lives in Iowa. And uh, you can imagine how hard it is on both of them. Well, I can't speak for Charlie, but for Caleb, he's have, that's his son, is having a real hard time, too. Um, he loves fishing, hunting. He has the property up above Mosier, um, and that was his sanctuary. He loved to be there. That was just where he could go and relax and have a really peaceful time. His and Caleb's play spot, basically. And does Caleb come to visit pretty often? Um, he's um, not too often. Uh, but he usually comes either at Christmas or in the summer or both. So um, we welcome him whenever he gets yeah. to come. So yeah, he looks just like Charlie. Oh my gosh, it's just mind blowing. That's sweet. Anyway, but anything else about Charlie? Well, Charlie was a worker. He liked to he'll help anybody out. Um, but you know, he's the type that yeah. You know, hose him over, you know, then he doesn't, he won't help you again. But yeah. he's, rather than that, he would, he'd give the shirt off his back to help somebody. You know, he's had his ups and downs, but he's relatively, he's a really super nice guy. Yeah, he sure is. He couldn't be more perfect, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, because um, I have four great sons and, um, well, actually I have six because two of them are my husband's, but I've had them ever since they were one and a half and three. So they're all, we're all family. And, uh, but anyway, Charlie is, was just an all around good guy. Oh, that's true. He loved to joke, joke and pull pranks. He's real good at that. <laughs> I love a good prank. So you yeah. mentioned his his Mosier property was kind of an, an oasis for him. And that's the property that he had a tenant debt, correct? On in the fifth wheel. All right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So I know that prior to Charlie's disappearance, there are two squatters on his property. One the tenant, right? And then an, and the tenant's friend. Well, the tenant isn't called the squatter because Charlie actually was renting a spot to him. Um, and anyway, it started off as, you know, Charlie thought it was helping him make payments. Right. Um, but then they got bickering all the time. And the guy quit paying him. So we got to be a little on the nasty side. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. So how long, how long was he dealing with that situation with a tenant that refused to pay? Um, the, yeah, the, the record we have is the last payment he made was in February. Okay. So, um, well, that was February of 2020. Yeah, 2021. 2021. Yeah. And then Charlie disappeared in November of 21. Yes. And then, so legally the tenant isn't a squatter. Now that there was another person who was a squatter broke into the cabin and, and was well, living there, ransacking? Well, there's a story to that, that this guy 
His name was Sean. We can mention his name because he's been to trial. Yeah, that's correct. I think I, I've already mentioned his name in my recording, which is Sean Marsalis. Yeah, Marsalis. Yeah. Okay. actually friends with... Okay, the tenant. He was his friend. And for he's... 10 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. They, that's, they were friends for 10 years. Yes. Okay. They worked together in construction. And did anyone talk to about about this person breaking in? Like, were they in uh, on this sure. together? Can can you talk about that? Um, I the story will be they were not in on it together because says he never saw nothing. Okay, he didn't know anything going on. But supposedly he took uh, Sean down to the cabin to introduce him to Charlie. Ah, uh, so in the very least, it, it's because of him he introduced this location. And okay, who Charlie hold on, was? Hold on, hold on. What? That, that was that was his story. But Sean's story was that when he showed up there, that him and were fighting, and he had to stop them, and so he intervened. Oh, situation down. The situation was down. But that was his words. Okay. And that was. Sean's story. So there was two different stories on that. Well, Sean's story is everything's different from anybody. And was asked if he knew anything that happened to Charlie, would he say anything? And he told the person, probably not. You know, there's always, what, three sides to every story, I think. Did you guys ever talk to Charlie about the situation? Like, what did he say about these people on his property? Um, he, he never got a chance to talk to us about Sean at all. Um, he talked to me he, and I actually asked his son, he talked to him too and said he had to get the tenant out of there because he didn't know what he would do. And, um, his son told me that he was really scared of him and, but, you know, if you listen to um, the words from the detectives, I, and I shouldn't say detectives, the policemen or whoever was there, they say that they basically had a love-hate relationship, that they would fight one day, the next day they were buddies. So, but all I know personally is just what he told me. And Caleb, because I did ask Caleb, and we both know that Charlie was having a problem with him. And we also know that uh, Charlie was very leery of him Mm -hmm. and actually scared of him. Yeah, and he was trying to evict him. Right, and and he had a court date about that, correct? So November 15th, he was supposed to go to court? Yes, but that was a whole different scenario because him and got into an argument and Charlie knocked out a window in his trailer. And so the tenant actually pressed charges against Charlie. So, um, and we knew about that, that Charlie was supposed to go to court on the 15th of November, but he never made it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that was, um, well, the 10th of November is when they're saying 
It was the last time Charlie was seen on camera at Safeway, but he never he never made it to court whatsoever. I'm glad you brought that up because in the in the media, it's it sounded like someone known to him saw him on his own property. So he was actually seen on camera on November 10th. When was the last time you guys saw him? I saw him um, at the time. My girlfriend. She lived in Walla Walla by Dayton, Washington, or the other way around. Um, and I was staying with her. Uh, she was on hospice. So um, I'd drive back and forth. So the last time I saw Charlie, let me look at my calendar. So the last time I saw Charlie was the 7th of November. And I was headed back that day to my girlfriend's house up in Walla Walla. And Charlie came because he gave me the money to pay for Caleb's ticket to come for Christmas. And I had taken the money to buy a ticket. And so that was the last time I, I saw him. And was there anyone else that could, had seen him between the 8th and the 10th? Or was it just on the, on the video on the 10th? Well, uh, was. Some of his friends seen him the night he disappeared. He was at their house and he supposedly got a text and he asked one of his friends if he would ride with him up to the cabin and his friend said it was too late. So Charlie told his friend that he'd be back in the morning to get his stuff out of the back of the truck and no one's ever seen him since. And that was okay. the 10th? Uh, no, 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 we're not sure what day that was. Okay. Um, yeah, because we've had a couple. We believe it happened around the 13th. Oh, a video of him on the tent at Safeway. At Safeway. Okay, so it's possible that someone saw him before that court date, but after that video. Yes, correct. Okay. Correct. And have there been any reports of sightings that you know of? Has the police no, nothing of Charlie? I mean, people go when we when he first came up missing. Someone thought they seen him at the casino. It looked just like him with a backpack, but it wasn't him. Up in Seattle. Up in Seattle area, but it wasn't him. Yeah. yeah. He made contact with the person and it wasn't him. Unfortunately, that happens a lot. But it's nice that yeah. people are calling it in when they think. When we they had think they a couple them. people, um, I think one was from Arizona saying, you know, if we paid him $1,000, they'd tell us what happened to him. You know, oh. punch it. Back. Yeah. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's. Yeah, with this one thing has been a real learning experience, let me tell you. It has not been fun. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I can only imagine. I talk to a lot of families that are going through something similar, and it it sounds incredibly difficult, and it's nice you guys have each other. Let's talk about that, though. How How do you feel like the investigation is going, as much as you can tell me? Do you feel... <laughs> So, Jerry, you really no, the truth? <laughs> I don't want you to be me. <laughs> what I mean, do you feel like are you in the loop? Do they tell you things? Or is this really hard? Like, how is it going? And and you can be honest here, this isn't gonna be used in court. They can't tell us everything, obviously. They do keep us in the loop, but for a while there we've really had to be on them all the time to find out anything, which is understandable, but um well they yeah, it's it's been hard, but but we're not used to it. We're used to people just letting us know. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I am. But um, the detective that is 
in charge now, uh, Jeff Hall, he's at the point where he's calling me every Friday. Well, yesterday was Thursday. He called me. He was leaving town for a um, training. So, but he calls me once a week and uh, lets me know of anything he's done for the week and kind of keeps us informed that way. But there is a lot of stuff that they won't tell us and we, they tell us they know a lot of stuff, but uh, we, they just can't tell us yet. Right. So, I mean, they're protecting the investigation. I can only imagine, uh-huh. but I, I'm sure that's very hard for you. Well, I'd just like to know where Charlie is. I mm-hmm. mean, they have not found his body yet. They uh, we haven't found his truck keys, his backpack, his water bottle that he carried with him all the time. And his wallet. wallet. And his wallet. His truck was parked in a place on the property that he would never park it. Okay. You know? And the guy, the squatter that was in there actually um, took a drill and drilled a hole in the gas tank besides it. They even stole his gas out of the truck. And we know he came up missing on a rainy night because windshield wipers were in the on position and there was mud all over his truck. Wow. So, so and it had rained on the third. See why I keep them? Yeah, that's that's actually really good details that I mean I would have never known from reading about this. Yeah. Uh in am I correct that his phone was found on the property as well? Not no. his work phone. Not no. his work phone. Now, his personal phone, I actually found it on his bed here in town. Um, and come to find out, it was one a girl that he knows that actually put it in there. She had taken it. She's kind of a stalker. She had taken it and uh, put it back. Oh, okay. So have the... Are the police looking into his phone records? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because we, we found actually some of his old phones and stuff in there, and they went through all of them. Um, but his work but, phone has not been found. Yeah, his work phone is the only one that has not been found. Okay. Interesting. Now, I don't know what you can tell me on this, but ha- have you heard any theories? Do you have theories about what happened? <laughs> We have heard so many theories, and none of them are good, as far as Charlie's concerned. Well, mm-hmm. I can tell you, when when we first test, this stalker girl sent my mom pictures and stuff, and of course I got them, and I got to going through them, and I was noticing little things because I grew up up there too. This this was our cabin that we grew up at with my dad. And so I noticed little things, but when we first got up there, well, besides the truck that was parked there, I didn't know whose it was. The first thing I noticed on the side of the the house was a different colored door. And, but it had a, it didn't fit. It was like somebody set it in there. So I moved it and I noticed the regular, the original door was still there, but it had looked like somebody kicked something, the door handle inside. Oh. There was a whole hole in the door. And I looked in that hole and I couldn't see Charlie or anything, but we knew somebody was in the cabin because we heard him. 
And we were yelling to open the door, but nobody would answer. And I stuck my hand in and felt there was boards like nailed to the frame to hold that door shut. So you couldn't get in it. Right. And when the front door, <laughs> it's a custom built door. And the only way that mm-hmm. to be shut is there's no door handle on it. And you have to, there has to be somebody inside in order for that door to be shut and locked. Right. And uh, so we knew somebody was in there. We didn't but know. We can't discuss that part. Yeah, we just we didn't know if it was Charlie or what was going on. How do you, how are you feeling? Do you think we're looking at a deceased situation or that you'll be able to you do? You do think yeah. that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a homicide, it's foul play. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, okay. there is no way Charlie would have been ever been gone this long. He would have never missed his chance to be with his son at Christmas. Mm-hmm. He missed his son's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't even call it. His 16th birthday. And he wow. had just a plane ticket a couple weeks before that for his boy to come out. Yeah. And he never showed up. You know, Probably he never, never showed up to go get him or anything. So he never come uh, to any holiday get together. And when I was driving back and forth to my girlfriend's house, I would, he was working in a little town called Rufus. And I would stop and see him either going there or coming back, depending on where he was at. And he would have never left and not told me something. Right. And then the fact that he would contact her no matter what his, was going on in his life once a week. Yeah. And he never missed that. Right. Because it upset me when I didn't hear from him. So he was finally asked, Please call me once a week. So no matter what. Yeah. So everything, I knew everything, even though I may not see him, I'd know everything was okay. Right. And the day that I got the call um, from this girl, um, you know, I I already knew something was wrong because I hadn't heard anything from him. But it I was going home that day, so I figured, well, when I get home, I'll head up to the cabin. I mean, this was... This was on the 22nd of November. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's when you called me, said something was wrong. Yeah. And I took off work, and that's when we went That's when we went up to the cabin and realized, yeah, yeah, something definitely was wrong. Okay. Yeah. And are you... Are you confident that we're going to see progress in this case, that that it's going to get closed and that you will find out more? Do you think we're going to find his body? Like, what is your overall pulse check on how this is going? Um, <laughs> well, we've heard so many different stories. And I'd like to see um, some of these people be talked to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, we can't. Bottom line, people can't say anything they want to without proof. Right. And so the ones that were on the property are the ones that we have proof on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's so many other stories. Oh my gosh. And And unfortunately, that is very common. I can think of cases off the top of my head where, especially in small towns, there will be so many theories that all seem so plausible, some of them outlandish, but, you know, a lot of it's gossip or um, what we really hope for. Oh, go ahead. They won't be happy with me saying this, but they, I know they are focused on certain individuals. Mm Mm-hmm. But for being this long and period, to me, it's like when we hear other things and stuff, I would like for them to kind of look into it more. So how can our listeners best support you? Are there social media groups they can join? Do you have uh, somewhere they can donate? What can we do best to support you guys as on this? Hopefully we can get people with information to come forward. Um, yeah, we're just looking for information, even if it's uh, anonymous. We have been hanging up this flyer. I don't know if you can see it. I, yeah, I can but see it. In, anyway, we just hung those up, and I'd like to be able to get um, the big board, the billboard, billboards, mm-hmm. um, and start and newspapers. I did go to the newspaper, and I think they're going to help. Uh, they're going to put this in the paper, I think. But, my uh, my personal feeling on it is I don't think nobody's going to find them until I'm kind of hoping towards hunting season when people are, are a lot out in the woods. Right. Because I, I believe the people that were involved took him out somewhere because the guy that was squatting in the cabin grew up in the area. So he knows the area. What's really upsetting um is when they get talking he was tortured yeah you know and we hear a lot of that stuff and the detective told me you just gotta let it go oh you know just roll off your shoulder because that isn't what the evidence is pointing toward yeah but uh it makes me curious of why the same people or talked about over and over and over. And the story on that does not change very much at all. And would it be money related? No. No. Yeah. Interesting. No. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly hope we get somebody to come forward with information because this is torturous and I'm so sorry you're going through this, but we'll help in any way we can. I'll post that. If you if you have a file of that, we can post it on our social media, get people sharing it out. Anyway, we we really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. And thanks again for talking to me. I know it's hard to talk about this, but it's, you know, the more people we can get to know about it, the more likely somebody knows someone who has information. Right. So that's well, what we're hoping for. A lot of people that think they know because they've heard stories, but you have to be able to prove it. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to see it. Or talk to somebody in person and they'll come forward. And there's a lot of people scared for whatever reason. Also, these other people that are these three other individuals. These, these three other individuals are they are uh, bad people. Oh, extremely yeah. bad. And uh, nobody, you know, please don't put involve us, you know, we've prayed for our lives and our families' lives, but they'll go after their families. Mm-hmm. That's no doubt. They've done it before, you know. And the police keep saying they're not involved, um, but then, you know, we don't know. Yeah. I do want to add that 
the tenant that Charlie was trying to get to move, I did get him moved. Well, I shouldn't say I did. We did. You did. We finally got him off the property and he is no longer there. That's good. And did the police have to come arrest Sean on the property? He left the the property. He he left the property. He knew we were, you know, about ready to nail him. And he took off running. Well, he disappeared for a little while. Yeah, he disappeared. Yes, that's Mm. a good word. No. He actually turned himself in. Oh, right, right. He, he did. In storage shed, but he, he did turn himself in. Yep. Okay. He turned himself in thinking. Because he knew there was going to be a warrant for his arrest. He's been in jail before. He's, he's, he's got, a felon. Yeah, he is a felon. So they knew that. He has a bad criminal record. And he knew they would be looking for him. So after, I think it was roughly a couple of weeks or so of him disappearing, he um his court date was coming up and he finally showed up and turned himself in thinking that if he turned himself in that they'd have leniency on him for being mm. a good court. guy for turning himself in yeah so anyway that's how they got it okay yeah. is there any other detail that or Anything you want to share with our listeners about Charlie's case, about his disappearance? Anything Um, we didn't cover? We appreciate any and all help. And we've had people all over calling us with stuff. And we appreciate that. But uh, we just got to keep working toward the, the truth of the matter. So... I don't want anybody to think we're ignoring them or anything either. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's the hard part with this, right? There's only so much you can share and say, mm-hmm. uh, but also you want to get help and get the word spread. It's a delicate balance for sure. I am just, I can't think very well. I get so nervous and excited and not excited, happy, haha, just so nervous I shake. Yeah. So I really appreciate anything you do that can help us. Absolutely. So what, well, it will air obviously on coin. We usually get the video of that and we put it on our website. We put it on basically on YouTube everywhere so that people have access and can share it out. And then our social media will do a post with photos and the the missing poster and everything. So that can be shareable as well. So we'll do what we can. Um, but again, if you do have like a GoFundMe or something like that, or you decide to open one, let us know and we can share that out as well. Thanks again to Charlie's family, Janice, Jerry, and Bonnie, for taking the time on a Friday evening, no less, to talk to me about Charlie and his case. We cut out a little over 20 minutes of that conversation just because we don't want to take any unnecessary risks with the investigation. I do have very high hopes that we will see this case solved. While I think most people will agree Charlie has likely been killed, I think someone will come forward. One of the benefits of featuring this case on this podcast is that a lot of people care. A lot of people in Oregon are going to hear this and maybe that person involved or adjacent will feel supported enough to do the right thing and come forward. 
Sean Marsalis eventually went to trial this past June and was sentenced to 34 months in prison for burglary in the first degree and theft in the third degree for ransacking and occupying Charlie's home in Mosier. If you're interested in learning more about this case and the people involved, we have obtained the audio files from the Marcellus trial. Though the trial is for burglary and theft, it might be of interest to you because it goes into detail regarding the state Charlie's cabin was found in, and you get to learn about one of the people that may have been involved in his disappearance. We'll be posting that trial audio on Patreon, and it's available to Patreon members at all levels. Charles Keller, who goes by Charlie or Chuck, was born in October of 1976, making him 45 years old today. He's roughly 6'1 to 6'2, weighs 170 pounds, and has blue eyes and hair that's been described as blonde or brown. Charlie often visited his property in Mosier, but he lived in the Dalles and worked in Rufus. If you have any information on Charlie's whereabouts or any details surrounding his disappearance, you're asked to call the Wasco County Sheriff's Office at 541-506-2580. If you want to show your support for the Keller family, please consider sharing the Missing Charlie Keller Instagram post we shared recently. If you feel moved to donate money so that the family can purchase a billboard, please feel free to donate to at Murder in the Rain on Venmo. And be sure to note Charlie Keller and we'll make sure the family gets all of those funds. <laughs>